Welcome to another episode of Authentic Entrepreneur. I am your host, Chad Wagner. It's good to have you guys here. Authentic Entrepreneur is about real people living their truth through entrepreneurship. I'm very excited to record the podcast today because I'm on site at the microbrewery for Buddha's Brews Kombucha here in Austin, Texas. Uh, we're sitting out in the garden. Uh, you're going to hear some background noise, some beeping, some some clanking around. Uh, that's the boys uh, cranking out the kombucha. Um, so joining me today on the podcast, I have Kimberly and JP, uh, founder and co-owner of Buddha's Brews Kombucha. Welcome to the show, you guys. Nice to be here. Thanks for coming. Thanks yeah. for thanks nice for joining here. me. It's a lovely day here in Austin to be recording. Um, if you could each just kind of introduce yourself, what you do for the company, um, that'd be awesome. Um, my name is Kimberly Lansky. Um, I grew up in Burbank, California, and moved to Austin 25 or 30 years ago. I'm not sure. Um, and I started Buddha's Brew 12 years ago. Um, just because I meditated a lot and I wanted to do something that would help people um, and I found kombucha was an amazing drink that was conducive to meditation energizes you and relaxes you at the same time and helps your body and everything took off from there and I got JP as a a co-owner because I needed somebody to help and he was helping me for free for a while yeah, I started uh, helping out in 2006. Uh, met Kimberly through a mutual friend, and uh, later on uh, was told that she was doing something that was called kombucha. I didn't even know what kombucha was at that time. I don't even think I had tried it. Uh, but it was curious to me that it was a non-alcoholic beverage. Um, I remember at the time I was kind of taking a break from drinking beer on Friday nights. And uh, so that was conducive to that because what we would do is we would bottle up all of the week's kombucha on Friday nights for the next uh, farmer's market on Saturday mornings. And uh, those were cool, kind of gave me something to do on a Friday night besides going out to bars and drinking. And what was really fascinating to me about kombucha was that it was a non-alcoholic beverage that had an artisanal kind of like mythos to it like it was not just like a soda that had been cranked out of some industrial plant but it was something that had been handcrafted and you know made by somebody's imagination you know and so that was fascinating and that's honestly it's one of the more fascinating things about craft beers and so it kind of translates over into this kind of like health beverage kind of thing so that was really good and uh, it made me feel great too the energy of kombucha is just awesome it's a great alternative to drinking because it gives you the energy without the kind of cloudy uh, fogginess that you can get from inebriation so yeah I would definitely have to agree with that and that kind of leads into um, how I discovered you guys so I moved to Austin about a year ago um, and I'm a skateboarder, so I'm, I'm out there cruising around through the town. Um, I get thirsty, and I've tasted kombucha a few times in the past. Um, I've seen it a lot more recently, and I was like, cool, I'm going to grab one of these. One of my favorite ones is this turmeric, um, but it has this refreshing uh, snappiness to it that just kind of wakes you up. Um, it's slightly carbonated, um, so I drink a lot of kombucha. Um, 
I actually found my first one in a in a local coffee shop of your brand, oh. and it was in a mason jar. Yeah. yeah. I think that's one of your seasonal offerings. Um, so I grabbed that. Um, really enjoyed it. Ever since then, I've been carrying around the jar. Um, I washed it out and I put my smoothies in there. Yeah, they're useful. Um, if you could kind of elaborate on what is kombucha, because a lot of people really don't understand. JP, go ahead. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of interesting. Um, what what kombucha specifically is? It is a fermentation of a, a tea, right? So you take basically a a sweetened tea, a southern style tea works great because it's a sweet tea, and you introduce what's known as the kombucha culture. So what I tell people is it's a very similar process to yogurt, except obviously you're not using dairy as a substrate. So in yogurt, they're, they're introducing what's known as the yogurt culture, and that's a collection of different uh, bacteria and yeast that help uh, break that down. In kombucha, you're introducing this uh, combination of kombucha cultures, often referred to as the SCOBY, which is symbiotic community of healthy bacteria and yeast. Um, so it's a collection of these microorganisms. They together form what's known as the kombucha mother. And the kombucha mother is what helps kind of create this sour kind of bite to it. She creates a lot of the acetic acid in the process, which is essentially like a vinegar. Um, she also helps create what's known as a gluconic acid, uh, which is very similar to vinegar, but I think has a very different taste. And I think that snappiness that you've noticed with kombucha and what I think a lot of people appreciate about kombucha comes from that. Uh, it's really just a trace amount of that. You know, vinegar is by far the dominant uh, force in it, but the gluconic acid gives that kind of high snap to it that I think it makes it way more unique than, say, like an apple cider vinegar ferment. Uh, cider vinegar from apples kind of gives you this kind of dull heavy vinegar it's a little bit of malic acid in it but not enough to kind of make it snappy and so that's what i really like about kombucha but uh so what it is and what drives people to it and why it's a big trend is it's got live cultures in it you're drinking something that has living organisms you can harvest it and enjoy it it tastes very good while it's fermenting beer if you drink beer while it's in process with yeast it is, I've accidentally done it before, and it is terrible. Beer yeast specifically have a terrible taste when they're actively fermenting and when there's a lot of it in the beer. That's why most times, there's, if there's any yeast in beer, it's a trace amount, and you typically don't try to drink the bottom part of a beer that has yeast in it because it's just terribly bitter. Uh, kombucha yeast, actually, they're delicious. You know, I mean, if you... If you're drinking a live kombucha, um, all the little probiotics in there, there's no kind of negative uh, taste characteristic with that, that living part. So I think that's really great because what you're able to do is you're drinking a beverage that can have billions and billions and billions of live active cultures. And I think that's part of the reason you get a nice metabolic energy boost from it is because you're just kind of doing, you're drinking a living thing. Living thing. It's almost like eating raw food. It's got, yeah. it's got a living energy inside of it yeah yeah and i would like to point out that on our label we say live kombucha cultures and we list five different strains that we tested found were in our kombucha through lab tests um these are strains of probiotics you don't really find in other foods and that's what's cool about kombucha and these will vary there's other ones that could appear in the kombucha one of the strains the pitchia membrana fasciens came from <laughs> The, um, Hard to say. Yeah, came from the um, <laughs> grapevines that are outside our brewery here. Uh, I mean, when you when 
springtime comes, you'll see there's these grapevines are everywhere yeah. and it's all leaves. Yeah. But that's where it came from, and it's it has some qualities that are really good for the body. Um, and um, I, we we distinguish ourselves our kombucha as full strength. We're one of the few full strength kombuchas. Um, most brands have diluted the kombucha to get the alcohol low. We found a way to let the probiotics um, deal with the alcohol. Um, and then sometimes they add probiotics um, that are not um, native to kombucha that don't produce alcohol to deal with the alcohol thing. So the alcohol situation has made um, a lot of companies alter kombucha in, a, I think, a negative way. But our kombucha is definitely full strength and it has all the wildlife kombucha cultures that you can't find in other foods. And the more different strains of probiotics you get in your foods, like sauerkraut that you've, you know, fermented naturally. And, and I mean, people used to ferment foods, everything, yeah. because it preserved it, made it vinegary and safe. Um, and so they got tons of microorganisms in all types of foods with different organisms. So that's what's cool about kombucha. So, so in general, like, what are, the, what are the general health benefits of kombucha? Like... I understand what you're saying, but how would you tell someone that doesn't understand the life cultures? Um, what does it do for you? Yeah, JP's our technical guy. So yeah, I can, I can answer that. Um, basically, it is one of the key, one, one of the things that we think is the most uh, healthy about kombucha is the variety of probiotic cultures that you're getting. And how that benefits your body is essentially this. Like, so... Your body is its own kind of like microbiome. Your digestive tract relies on a, a set of, you know, come to find out, you know, recent studies have found out that there's literally tens of thousands of different species of microbiotic cultures in your body that are helping you break down your food and um, synthesize all of the, the things that your body uses for everything, for everything from your uh, mental, you know, your brain capacities to every other part of your body. Um, that kind of part of science is just sort of breaking open, really, because only genetic sequencing and genetic analysis in the last 20 years has allowed us to even figure out what's living in our uh, guts. And what they've discovered is that they had no idea how complex it was. You know, I think before 20 years ago, when they started looking into it, they thought that maybe everybody had maybe... 30 or 40 different major um, cultures in their body it's tens of thousands mm. and and it's so it's just kind of broken wide open and I don't even think science has gotten their head wrapped around it as far as how big that is it I mean some people have compared it to you know they've sequenced our DNA and that was a huge deal like the whole hum, human genome has been kind of sequenced and that took a long time I have a question well the next though, big project why, is wait um so we have all those organisms in our body, but some of, some of them tend to be not good for our body if you're having too much sugar or you're um, not eating healthy. Um, you can get an overgrowth of bad bacteria and yeasts and different organisms. And then when you introduce good probiotics from foods, that tends to, those tend to multiply and force out all the, the bad um, and not healthy um, organisms that are in your gut and people have found that you know probiotics help in a lot of ways help your body work better your digestion um, 
does all sorts of things just in general make your body work better and the, the whole weight of your body they say these organisms are like a, a huge <laughs> we're doing a lot of work out there um these organisms like um are a huge weight like a big part of the weight of your body the actual physical weight is made up by this massive well, I think organisms i haven't so. I read that. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Well, I wouldn't read. I wouldn't believe everything you read on the no, internet. No, no, no. Like, okay, I'm looking it up. Right yeah, because I, I, <laughs> I don't think that. I think that what you're, uh, what it, what the relationship I've heard, and this kind of goes back to what I was mm-hmm. talking about, is that that most of the, if they do a DNA, if they do DNA sequencing of your uh, body, that the DNA of our microbiome in our body, there's more DNA of microbiome of other species in our body than there is of the human genome oh. in our body. So it's that's the relationship that I've seen, and that goes back to them. So when they when they got to the end of sequencing the human genome, which is hugely beneficial because now you can get your DNA tested and you know they can tell you a whole lot of things about how you know you may respond to different stimuli and how you may be vulnerable to certain uh, ailments like certain types of cancer or whatnot. Um, the second stage of that, and that's something they haven't completed yet, is seeing the interrelationships of what triggers that DNA. And there's a really cool term for it, but I can't remember it. And but that's a whole other thing that they're. It's beyond that sequencing of the original genome, but it's going to that second step of saying like what triggers these different DNA sequences to actually do something. And then beyond that, even, and I think it's the big next kind of field in that science is like sequencing every single microorganism that participates in our digestive system because what they're finding is that these little guys like if you take out a certain little species and for some reason it gets killed off by an antibiotic or something you can see this kind of like chain reaction in the body where that specific little microbiotic culture in your body was providing some very oh. vital link yeah. to Just allow like your brain function and, that's what and I all the, exactly it's all like the, a little ecosystem yeah. we're yeah. killing yeah. off all these ecosystems and I know. it's I overall know. destroying the planet yeah. I know. similar these to our insects body. are they seem insignificant <laughs> yeah. but they play a part it really is in it's this a, whole system it's a cool internal ecosystem so right. and it's something right. that we it's an undiscovered territory really yeah. and i think kombucha feeds into it because it's just like Kimberly was saying, the more you provide, the more input you provide of these kind of wild microorganisms, they can help participate and they can help give it diversity. What they call a lot is a monoculture of the uh, microbiome of the yeah. gut. Yeah. And when you get a monoculture of the gut, it's basically what she was saying about like people that have candida problems or something like that. That's that candida is something that's present in everybody. Everybody has a little it's bit. It's a of it. yeast overgrowth. But then what has happened is that you've killed off a lot of the diversity of the other participants, and then that takes over, and then it makes you very unhealthy because then you're not deriving nutrients. Awesome. So in summary, kombucha is you take like five ingredients, I think. You take tea. We take organic tea, organic sugar, filtered good water, um, and you add bacteria and yeast, and you let it ferment. sits for... Depends. Um, depends on the weather and all sorts of conditions. Mm-hmm. But it sits and ferments, and then you filter it and drink it. So That's awesome. it's fermented tea, basically. Fermented tea. Ancient Chinese health drink. 
Okay. It's been around so, for a long time. Let's travel back for you and before all this, what got you into kombucha to begin with? How did this all begin for oh, okay. you? Um, I was I was in a spiritual community where we would meditate for hours and do yoga and and eat super healthy. I didn't eat any dairy or wheat or sugar or or have any alcohol for like 20 years. Um, and I discovered kombucha from a friend of mine. He was a professor at UT, um, David Edwards. He teaches political science. I think he retired just last year. But, um, and he taught a spirituality in political science class. I don't know what it was called, but anyways, really cool. He was making kombucha and he had jars of it in his kitchen everywhere. So when you see a jar of kombucha, it's like, you'll get a big gallon jar with a wide opening so oxygen can get in and you have the culture floating on top and it looks all gunky and weird and you got this brown liquid and he had jars of these everywhere and I would go to Casa de Luz which is a local Austin um, macrobiotic restaurant for lunch and you sit at group tables um, it's a really cool place and David would bring wine bottles full of kombucha for it to share with everybody at the table and it was so amazing. I could, I felt the effects. It was just, it, I was so drawn to this drink. It just was so delicious. Um, and so he taught me how to make it. I noticed somebody was selling it at a local farmer's market. So I talked to him and I was thinking to myself, if this guy ever stopped selling at this farmer's market, I would love to do that. I think that would just resonate with my lifestyle and everything I'm doing. And he, two weeks later, he quit. And so I called him up and asked him if he minded if I took his spot. He said no, and he sold me all his equipment, and I started selling at Sunset Valley Farmer's Market, which is in Austin. Cool. And, um, and it took off from there, so. So that was timing was kind of convenient for Yes, you. and it That's was super. meant, to, it was one of those things that was meant to be. Yep. It was like, wow. I, it just resonated with everything I'd done up to then. I had a healthy cookie business a few years back before that, and sold the first vegan cookies to Whole Foods. Um, and I had done multiple things that just prepared me for this. And so it kind of like drew on all my skills I had at that point. Um, so I was making kombucha at home, selling it at a farmer's market, JP was helping me, and then it took off from there. Absolutely, so this was kind of a side hustle for a little while, or was it full time um, from the get go? Yeah, I was, I was working for a hardware company doing all their shipping and receiving. Um, and and getting all the knobs and drawer pulls made, yeah. um, so I was doing a lot of things like that. And then um, this took over. Kombucha making took over, and I quit that job and and started doing the um, farmers market. Yeah, full time. And you started out in this warehouse. Yes. So I looked. Well, Whole Foods came. Somebody from Whole Foods, a buyer, came to our booth at the farmers market, and said they wanted to put us in all 19 stores in the region. Um, in the southwest region and so JP and I were like wow we need to get a space in a commercial kitchen and not just a commercial kitchen but one that is our own kitchen not just rent space because yep. you have these shelves of kombucha fermenting and it tends to be really smelly and takes a lot of space so I looked everywhere in Austin for uh, I decided I would build a commercial kitchen inside a warehouse um, and this one was the only one where they would let me um, the owner would let me put a commercial kitchen in and so we had two units in these warehouses. It's a 5,000 square foot warehouse and we had um, 
1200 square feet and that's how we started and I got I did all the permitting and I was like the contractor to get the um, kitchen built yeah um, the that city of Austin the yeah city of Austin <laughs> um, they told me don't ever do this again next time you do something get a contractor so <laughs> but they helped me so yeah. I went to all the city the plumbing inspector and the lighting inspector electrical and they all helped me figure it all out and that's awesome. so we got it done that's super cool. How and did you come was, up with the name? Well, I was meditating a lot, which I still do. Um, and I love all spiritual teachers. Um, Buddha, Jesus to me is a spiritual teacher. Krishna. I mean, there's tons of spiritual teachers through the years and there's current ones. And I just would read, I would read all the um, spiritual and religious books. Um, and so I was just very spiritual, looking for the meaning of life and what's my purpose meditating to be in tune with nature and life and listening to the messages that life's giving me um and so kombucha was just like whoa it just so resonated with that and i just thought buddha's brew was catchy um i love the buddha and all his teachings because they're basically just basic life wisdom yep. um and i thought if buddha drank something he would drink kombucha for sure. Uh, there's um, no doubt about that. Yeah, so. <laughs> and I thought it was really cool to put, I put a Buddha quote on each bottle. And uh, I just thought that was really cool to, to put a little wisdom quote. And then eventually we got in a bunch of convenience stores just through word of mouth. And then I thought, wow, it's so cool. Here's a product with a Buddha quote on it in convenience stores that helps you. So, so you're spreading good vibes and good feeling with the kombucha. Yes, That's awesome. for sure. Are you still at farmer's markets then? Yes, we have eight farmer's markets now. Oh so we goodness. do four on Saturday, three on Sunday, and one on Wednesday. That's so, crazy. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I've got my share of experience uh, with farmer's markets as well. Um, I used to have a coffee booth. And it's oh, just a lot of fun. Yeah. You meet the community. Yeah. You can test your product. Yeah. It's a low barrier of entry to, to get yeah. in. Yeah. Um, and I know a number of um, local companies that started at Farmer's Market that were friends, like um, Daily Greens um, that took off and is nationwide. And I mean, lots of different products Moonshine started tea. that way. Moonshine tea. Yeah. So I was going to touch on uh, what JP brought up earlier, and that was kind of for those out there that are trying to kick the alcohol or especially beer. Um, I'm one of those guys. I was drinking quite a bit of beer on the regular, and I definitely wanted to cut back. And I found that the kombucha was a great way to do that um, because it provided that kind of carbonation, um, that refreshing kind of snappiness the beer had, and it gave me kind of a boost, um, like you said, that good yeah. that good feeling. So um, for those out there that are looking to kick you know beer to the curb i think this is a great um recommendation for that as well um do you guys have a favorite flavor or what are your flavors oh what are you want me to list them yeah, okay sure. okay i'm, I'm going to list them in the order that we created them because <laughs> I, that's what we do but blueberry ginger cranberry grape lime classic which is straight kombucha Pineapple Super Greens, which was like so super popular when we introduced it. Peach Mint, um, Cherry Melon, Tangerine Sea Salt, Hops, um, Basil Honey Ginger, 
um, strawberry lemonade, turmeric, um, super roots, which is actually beet carrot. It's, we're changing it to super roots and introducing more different roots. Um, we have a raspberry seasonal. We have a number of seasonals that we rotate. So right now, raspberry, spicy mango is coming out. Hibiscus rose is coming out. We have um, grapefruit. Watermelon. Super antioxidant. Watermelon in the summer. <laughs> yeah, um, anything I can find that tastes super good with our kombucha, yeah. I'll use. And I've tried many things. We were but. walking through your garden out here, and it looks like you use some ingredients um, grown right yeah. here. Yeah, we, we, for a while we were using mint from our garden, but um, we couldn't keep up with this small garden that we have. But we do grow a lot of basil, a holy basil, and... And Some another different varieties. Yeah, different African varieties. basil does really well in the summers here. So yeah. we do a combination of holy and African basil. Yeah. And what's crazy is basil is just so it, pro productive of a plant, like once you get it started. And what we found is, uh, and you can't really find this on the commercial market uh, with the pro produce uh, distributors, but when you grow it yourself, you can just harvest the, the flowers themselves. And the flowers have this very distinctive, strong snap to the flavor. That I think really benefits our basil honey ginger flavor. Uh, really makes it have this real snappy basil and uh, they, taste. And once you cut them off, they grow right back. So the yeah, next plants week are there the whole flowers, spring so. and summer and fall. And there's a relationship with the bees that's fun because the bees love the basil. So once you have a big stand of basil, you just have this whole group of bees throughout the, the entire and that's summer. Like, there so. must be 10 different varieties of bees and moths going. Yeah, bumblebees. I made honeybees. a little video of it. It was like masses of little flying pollen collecting <laughs> insects it was so cool that is awesome so it seems like you both wear a lot of hats and there's a lot of work that goes on here what's your favorite part of the job um i would say the favorite part of the job is how it challenges me <laughs> so every day that something goes on that's unexpected you mentioned that that we have challenges that we have to solve and many times they feel like insurmountable but if you just trust life, trust your life. I think that's the key to, to life it's, is just trust your life and trust that whatever you're being given is perfect for you. You can meet any challenge. Um, and at this point I'm learning how to uh, manage people more, um, how to let everybody um, feel empowered to do what they're best at, figure out what people are best at and give them those tasks and keep them passionately involved and interested so that I'm not micromanaging them. Um, and also, as, as I'm, so I'm the manage, main manager of the business. JP has other duties. Um, but I think like your ego can get really big because you're in charge, you're on top. Um, and it's mostly guys working for me um, and they can have big egos. So I find myself wanting to have the biggest ego so I can overpower and, and stand up to everybody. But I'm finding that the best way to be the boss and the manager is to have the smallest ego and just let people um, do their thing, find their way, and, and just hold them accountable and be organized and give them direction and, and just um, check on things as we go. Yeah. So that's what I work on. That's awesome. Yes, whereas we see the president that we have now has the biggest ego, and so that's why <laughs> everybody's quitting. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> What's your favorite part of the job here, bud? Um, I think it's the, the unknown, the like the 
the challenges. I mean, I think what's attracted me to it from the very beginning was just it was it fascinated me. You know, the whole concept of making something by hand had always been a, a draw to me. But then when I saw the process, and I was just like, wow, how how would you do this? How would you make more? Or how would you how would you make it logistically possible? And it's just it's just been one set of challenges after another because watching the business grow, there's always something that you haven't quite figured out you know there's always kind of a there's it's like a puzzle there's always pieces that you're still putting together and so it never really gets boring because as it grows old challenges that you solve are replaced by new challenges that present themselves that again like Kimberly was saying initially always seem insurmountable you know but then that's fun because I'm always I've always been that way like I always kind of want to jump into stuff that seems like it's over my head and then I want to get above it, you know. At the time, when you're in it, sometimes you can feel very overwhelmed and stressed, but there's nothing better than overcoming that because then you have this sense of, this great sense of pride and accomplishment when you've, when you've worked slowly through. You know, it's, it requires a lot of patience. Uh, but as years go on, you'll look back and you're like, wait, somehow we, we figured that out. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you kind of take it for granted, but like we didn't even know the first thing about that before we started. Yeah. And so it's just, it's infinitely rewarding in that way. Yeah, yeah that kind of, uh, that's me to a T. I've, I've worked at a lot of jobs, and I usually do very, very well for about three or four years. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just bored yeah. stiff yeah. because there's no more challenge. Yes. And as an entrepreneur, every day is a challenge. Yeah. I thrive on that. Yeah. Um, and like you were saying, every time you test yourself, it builds more confidence. And so if I were someone that was lacking confidence, I would literally just start challenging myself little by little. Just take a challenge at a time and then eventually you, you have no fear. Um, awesome. Do you have like one bright experience that was like that you can think of that was just like super cool over the years? I'm sure you have several, but what's one that stands out? Well, the one that stands out the most is in 2010. So we've we've been around 12 years. When we started, there was six kombucha companies in the country. We were one of them. Um, so we were the first one in Texas. Um, and now there's maybe 500. It's blown up. But so there weren't that many. In 2010, there were, you know, a little bit more than that, maybe. Maybe seven. I don't know. Um, maybe eight kombucha companies in the country Um, and so they found that kombucha has alcohol and you have to have under one half of a percent to be a like considered not a threat to alcohol you can be on the shelf and and you're considered no alcohol you know non-alcoholic so kombucha in general goes over half percent just naturally through fermentation so Whole Foods found that out and they took all they called us on a Tuesday morning and they said we're pulling all kombucha from the shelf we knew the national brand GT's had alcohol but we didn't think we did because we had a different process from them Um, but we discovered after they pulled all kombucha from the shelf that everybody did Um, and then so they wouldn't and then the national natural the national distributor pulled all kombucha so we still delivered locally and our sales went up during that time period, but it felt like the end of the world. Yeah. It felt like, oh no, how are we gonna make kombucha with half, under half a percent alcohol? It would be impossible. 
so I, I meditated a lot and I had um, a brilliant idea that helped me to figure out how to do it. But we tried for a year, we tried different things. We went to the wine country in California and got a wine uh, filter that filters alcohol out of, they use it in, in wine. Um, because when you ferment wine, you can't tell how much alcohol it's going to end up with. And so they put this, this wine through this filter and water goes through one side. It's a membrane and wine goes through the other and the alcohol vaporizes and goes, half of it goes into the water and half of it leaves the wine. And so then you have wine that was at 18% now is at 9% and then they blend it back with the other wine and then they get something that's under, you know, um, it, it has to be like 14% or less to be cons for taxation and things like that. So, so anyways, we figured out how to do the alcohol thing. Um, the cost weed. us. I think you need to make sure that mm -hmm. that that filter was terrible. I mean, it was we, oh yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, you're acting like that's what we did. It so. clogged up with, well, we, with cultures, and it got slower and slower and slower, and it it made the kombucha. Um, well, it it eliminated in order for the wine filter to work, you essentially had to filter out like ninety some odd percent of the probiotics. So, okay. it was one of our experiments that failed because at that point, yeah. once we realized that yeah, you could you could filter out the alcohol but at what expense and then at the end of that process what did you have left was it something that you could even call it was watery and then at that point is when she had her revelation and we'd been both reading a lot of ancient like ancient books but like old books and then i think we based on those that craftsmanship and artisanal it just bam it hit us the I solution learned, to yeah, it and yeah. it's all about craft it wasn't yeah. it didn't end up being about that technology it ended yeah. up being about an artisanal that had to approach, do with the probiotics you know? increasing probiotics letting them eat up alcohol um and creating um actually creating more probiotics than you find in kombucha just naturally okay um it just like the com the probiotics went wild our kombucha became richer and stronger and we um we were blown away. Um, and I, at first I, I had this revelation and then I didn't trust it. You know, I had somebody that worked at beer breweries telling me we have to, we'll have to do a, we'll have to separate the bacteria from the yeast and ferment them separately and then see what they do and bring them together. And we just, all these really complicated things. And I'm like, yeah, but I have this idea and I didn't trust it. Yeah. So I listened to this guy cause he's an expert, right? And then finally, my head brewer we just tried this and it was amazing and it worked and it 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 not only um kept the alcohol below half percent and then we bottled it and refrigerated it and it stayed low it made the kombucha better much better and so then from there my biggest lesson um having a business is trusting my gut trusting myself whenever i feel um like I have a problem and I feel weak because oh my gosh I can't solve this what can I do I need an expert to help me um, whenever I feel that way I always bring somebody in who's overbearing uh, headstrong um, and I because I've made myself weak and they're telling me what to do and it doesn't feel right and then but when I trust myself I the answer comes naturally I do the work that's needed I bring in the experts that I need but it's all in balance and things get solved very easily so I don't know I just think that entrepreneurs learn to trust themselves at least for me yep. um, it's it's definitely one of the most challenging ways to live your life <laughs> and you never know what's gonna happen and you're not depending on anyone else um, at least in the beginning so 
and we made a decision that we weren't going to bring in um, investors. We we're going to own this company ourselves um, completely, and so we do. Um, and so we there's a lot of kombucha companies that have gotten really big and have investors, and yep. and we we test everybody's kombucha for the sugar level and the alcohol level and the uh, beneficial acids and we can tell we've learned figured out what everybody's doing and we feel super confident that we have the healthiest uh, most authentic best best process and best kombucha yeah it's so. good stuff <laughs> super good um before we wrap it up jp any last comments on entrepreneurship um yeah i think it's i mean a lot what she said it's just that idea of trusting yourself i mean one of the the biggest satisfactions i've had when I first started working here, I, I kept my day job for years. I think for eight years, I kind of kept my day job and this was kind of a side hustle. And then it just kept blossoming and blossoming. And and then I, I came over full time here uh, several years ago. But during that other time where I was just kind of burning the candle at both sticks, I just kept having these visions. And I think it's all about vision. It's that same thing. She trusts her intuition. And then there's this other essence of just trusting your vision. Like you, you see like this thing and you're like, you, you feel confident that it could happen. You know that it's incredibly hard and that it may take a lot of time, but you see it. And I remember when we were, man, you know, the first days here at this this area, you know, when we first opened this uh, uh, kitchen at the building, there were some hard days. You know, there was just, we were, you know, we were growing fast and we were having to do a lot of just physical labor and you'd be here really late and we were trying to get the production runs done and you'd be physically and mentally exhausted and you're just like man is this worth it can we can is this something that's even possible you know and it would kind of like it brings you to this brink but then you have to find some level of faith you know and it's that faith in the vision that you fall back on and I remember walking through this uh, this parking area in the in between these two buildings and and it was ramshackle you know we just had this one little section here we were surrounded by all these other guys that are you know just little entrepreneur small businesses themselves but it was just the whole little area is real ramshackle and you're like oh man this place is kind of a mess like what are we doing but then I had this vision I was like I kind of saw it and I was like you know one day this whole thing is just going to be us and we're gonna have all the space to ourselves and it's gonna and we'll have it figured out and we're gonna have things mapped out and it's all gonna be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was like ten years ago. Yeah. And like so now it's still really challenging. You're half, it's but not it's easier, way yeah. but we do have yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> we do have the whole thing. Is it no. easier? I don't know. It no. has become a little easier by fraction. I, I wanna say that too. We bought so we have both buildings now and the one acre land here. So we bought it. Um, because we found we needed a bigger space or a better space. Um, so we checked rents at other places and we found it was in Austin that, that two years ago, buying this property was, the mortgage was cheaper than renting somewhere else. Yeah. And so, but we put a lot of money into the build out and even then it was still cheaper. And we set that up as a, a separate LLC. Like we own the property as a- You rent it to yourself. Yeah, we rent it That's to cool. Buddhist Brew. Um, and so it's like, 
it's really cool. I love it. And awesome. and then even it was this was like a mess, but JP brought in all the stones and was has been working on the garden. Our, this was all a, our, initially really this creek side was a dump. Yeah. Like it had been used really? as a dump, yep. like in the seventies and eighties, like car parts, paint cans. It was huge tractor tires, just barrels of trash, stuff like out. pulled into the creek, yeah. and we were just like, oh my god. Yeah. And then you really you're just like, man, this is. How would this ever be okay? You know, but yeah. slowly but surely we'd pick out trash every year. We'd have a a day where we'd drag a bunch of stuff out, and then as you're dragging all this trash out, you realize it's like this is this, is this is creek is beautiful. Lots you know, like it just you just needed to kind of like take care of it to like realize. So our dream is to have a tap room. We thought the end unit over here would be the tap room, huh? and we'd have glass windows, and we own to way over there, and all this would be landscaped people could come it's just looking at the parking lot now it's like where will they park we right. don't know what's gonna happen but <laughs> we've had this dream to the, have a tap room where people cars. could come so who knows what will happen but. well guys it's definitely been nice talking with you i'm really enjoying this um where can our listeners taste your brew um, or find it in stores and then I'm also going to send them to your Instagram and your website but where can they get their hands on a bottle um, well we're in almost a thousand stores many 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 of them in Austin but throughout San Antonio um, the corridor to San Antonio we're in 200 convenience stores all over um, s- stores in Houston and Dallas we're in HEB's Whole Foods um, natural grocers and lots and lots of Wheatsville. Wheatsville, local places. And then we also have eight farmer's markets, um, three in Austin, one in New Braunfels, um, and one in Bee Caves, and one in Dripping Springs. And those are on our website. And then we also have a couple places we're on tap, and those are listed on our website also, where you can get kombucha at a really good price. Okay. Fill up your jugs. And one question stuff. that popped in my mind was, does it need to be refrigerated? Yes, it okay. does, yeah. Yeah, it, it the taste it won't go bad. You can you can drink a little bit, leave it out overnight, yeah. leave it on the counter. It won't go bad because it's very low pH, yeah. which is it's it's acidic, which means nothing bad can grow in there. But it's acidic, but it it becomes alkaline in your body and helps your body. But super safe and put it back in the fridge, but keep it in the fridge because the pressure could build up, okay. um, and, and the changes, taste changes, yeah, changes and taste. it just gets weird tasting after a while. <laughs> We, we bottle it when the taste is perfect. So Perfect. Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. I really oh, appreciate you. it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Podcast listeners, I hope you enjoyed this show today. I know I did. Um, I'd like you to go to Instagram at Buddha's Brew and check out their page. Um, there's a link there. You can go to their website, buddhasbrew.com. Just check them out. Get some kombucha. Taste it. Enjoy it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>